It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 608 at News Talk WSB, 44 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more happy in your garden and to answer questions about what you should, should not, might ought to, or could just leave undone. If you've got a question, our number is 404-872-0750, and anything that has to do with the natural world is my purview, so you can ask about your flowers, your trees, your lawn, your indoor plants, and it is getting chillier and chillier by the night, so you need to get those indoor plants in. I have the... Uh, Meyer lemon outside of my patio, which needs to come in today, not any later than today. So if you have questions about that or about your holiday plants, maybe you've gotten ahead of the game, have a holiday poinsettia or a Christmas rose or a Christmas cactus or any one of those indoor plants that you have questions about. Again, the phone number 404-872-0750. Much of my past gardening week has been spent inside. It's rained a good bit for the last couple of weeks, so I haven't done a lot outside, but one of the things I did do was to run by Pike Nursery and get one of the wave, actually not one, got four of the wave petunias, or, or excuse me, pansies that I have there, and I planted those out in a place near the corner of our neighborhood where I have a little plot of flowers there, and so I planted those wave pansies to make sure that I have a little color there during the during the holiday season. And then what else did I do? I raked a few leaves. They were all damp and wet and soggy, and it was hard as heck to rake them up. And so I just sort of pushed them with my leaf blower into a pile and said, I'll get to that when it's a little bit drier outside. So I got my leaves up. And did I do anything else inside? No, get two more, two more ice cubes for the, for the orchid. And that was the extent of my gardening this past week. 404-872-0750. And comes to us now from great, beautiful Spalding County, our friend, Miss Nicole. Good morning. Mr. Reeves. Miss Nicole, what's going on? Well, you know, there's a hard choice to do this time of the year. It's cold. Instead of brewing some inside, yeah. give some away, give to the, <laughs> the school or the church. You know they won't take care of about least. What do you bring inside? What do you, what do you give to school or church? Tell me what you do. Well, I got those, uh, those, uh, oh, I couldn't tell you the name. Uh, I know they're not going to survive outside. They're going to freeze. They're all yeah. tropical. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. I've got a bunch of tropicals outside, some of which I'm going to leave outside because, Nicole, honestly, I don't have that much room to put a lot more plants in my sunroom. So I'm going to leave the tropicals, some of them outside. They cost me uh, 4 or $5 maybe at Pike back in the spring. They've done wonderfully well outside in the little uh, planter that I have by my front door, and I just can't see bringing them in. Well, same here. My house is like a jungle. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> but uh, we have fresh air in wintertime because yeah. we got a lot of plants inside. You know, that brings up something, Nicole, that I seem to be single-handedly fighting for the past, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. Because long ago, when NASA was trying to think of how we could get the space um, race going on, how we could get our astronauts to have a more pleasant stay in their in their um, various vehicles that were above uh, above the Earth, they said, well, let's use plants to purify the air. And so a couple of people did some research on it and found that, sure enough, houseplants can help purify the air. But one of the points that's never really made about houseplants and cleaning the air is that it is mostly the roots of the plant, not 
the leaves of the plant that do the heavy lifting of cleaning the various contaminants out of uh, out of the air. And so actually the way that they did the research at NASA was to take air and push it through the root system. It had a very, very light uh, uh, very you know well drained root root system and potting soil around it, and so they pushed air through that potting soil and root system, and that would clean various pollutants out of the air. But just having a house plant in your house doesn't really do a lot of air cleaning. A little bit maybe, and some do more than others. But if you say that one house plant is going to be able to clear a room. That's not going to happen. You need dozens, if not a hundred, houseplants in your house to do anything appreciable to make this air in your house a little bit better. Doggone it. We got it backward all those years. But wait we a minute. We need to put the top underneath and the root up. <laughs> but the other thing that I think about with having plants inside, I think indoor plants satisfy a very, very primal need of just people in general. I think that we came from areas when, you know, you say mankind developed in Africa, mankind developed uh, out on the uh, prairies or right on the edge of the woods. I think that we have a primal need for plants around us. I think that is what the back of our brain, that little, little lizard brain in the back of our head says that you'll be more comfortable when you have plants around you. And for that reason, I think it's a great time to have houseplants indoors. Well, my thinking, Mr. Reeve, about that is uh, we are born around stream and trees, sure. and there's nothing dead around us like other country. They have only rocks and more rocks. Right, 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 right. I had friends who came to Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, and they remarked, as many people do, gosh, there's so many trees around here. You have trees up and down lining the streets. How does that happen in our city? And I think they were from Boston. They said, we have some trees, but not nearly as many as Atlanta does. Yes. Got to have them. Got to have them. So what are you going to do this next week? It's getting chilly. What are you going to do, Nicole? I'm um, sorry. <laughs> this week, uh, next week I probably have to work. But this week I bowed my head against the wall because of the timing. You want to do everything, but yeah. 5, 530 is the deadline because we don't see anything outside. <laughs> then my other things I had to... Clorox is my best friend. Everything is turning green. Oh, uh, well, it's got, it's got the mold and things like that on it. Big time. Yeah, big time, big time, big time. Yeah, I've got some cleanup to do outside on my patio. Same thing. I've got mildew and some pieces where moss has started growing between the stones, and I don't want it there. So, yeah, i got a couple of jobs that need to be done. I'll put my jacket on and go outside and do them. Well, you see, Clorox, it's not all the same. You have to look on the number. And see what percentage is the... Yeah, because something is just watered down big time. <laughs> you need the strong stuff because on brick, that's the only thing that works. Maybe I don't so. know about wood. Well, Nicole, I hate to bring our conversation to a close, but I need to get out of here. we got one more person who wants to talk about bringing houseplants in, and I thought that would be a good thing to talk about this All morning. All right. It's great talking to you, Nicole. See you next Saturday. Bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Nicole's place. Bobby is in Stockbridge, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bobby. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? Uh, I've got a plant that I had outside all summer long, and I want to bring it in for the winter uh, so it wouldn't die off on me. Yeah. And my wife is all freaking out. She don't want any bugs coming in the house with <laughs> the plant. I know there's none on the plant, but I was concerned about the, there might be bugs in the soil. Is there mm. something I can put in the soil to kill the bugs off? There's probably not any bugs in the soil. I mean, to be honest, the only thing that 
possibly could be there would be fungus gnats, and that would be if you've overwatered it or left it out and didn't have a drain hole in the bottom of the pot. If it gets really saturated, then sometimes fungus gnats uh, will start up in the soil, but that's not, not, not very likely. On the leaves, I think, honestly, Bobby, is where the insects are going to be hiding, if there are any, to come indoors. And I just talked to Nicole about bringing in my Meyer lemon that I need to take off the patio. And so what I have done for the past three weeks, I'm guessing now, is I have a little spray bottle of insecticide, and I spray the leaves pretty regularly once a week, and I make sure that none of those stupid spider mites that just about ate up my Meyer lemon last year, I'm hopeful that I have killed every slap one of them, and I won't have the spider mites on my Meyer lemon anymore. So you can get little spray bottles of insecticide, trigger-operated sprays, and uh, spray the leaves of your plants, and that hopefully will get rid of the bugs on the leaves, but I don't think you need to worry about the soil. All right, thank you very much. It is my great pleasure to be of service, Bobby. Thanks for calling. 404-872. I keep saying the number because I want to build up some calls here. We're in the next half hour, Brad up in John Treat wants to know about how to root cuttings from a Japanese cedar. Ralph out in Auburn, Georgia wants to know how to plant ryegrass under a tree and even if that is a good idea. Ed in Fayetteville, my hometown, says what to do with leaves in the flower beds. And a lot of people have called, Ashley says, and want to know what about other bugs coming inside the house? Roaches coming inside. Uh, kudzu bugs coming inside. The stink bugs, the marmorated stink bug coming inside. What can you do about that? If you have a question about any of those subjects and anything else you can make up about the green world outside, our number is 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Pretty much clouds increase throughout the day. Very little chance of seeing any rain. That's good. Afternoon's highs reaching into the eh, mid-50s pretty much. Prepare for the cold to arrive overnight. Temperatures dropping into the low to mid-30s under cloudy skies. And that'll clear up by Sunday morning. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Ralph is out in Auburn and has a project in mind and wants to know how he can go about it. Good morning, Ralph. How you doing? Man, I'm fine. I've, What's up? I've got my yard is Bermuda, yeah. and I've got an area underneath a tree, which which the uh, sun comes up in the east, and and on the west side of the tree, it's about a 15 by 30 area that I cannot get any grass to grow at yeah. all. Sure, shade. I'm sure shade <laughs> enters into the equation. Sure. Yeah. And I was wondering if I can plant uh, rye grass now. Just to keep it, keep the erosion from from uh, mm -hmm. um, um, from washing all my dirt away. Yeah, I, I, you can certainly do that. Ryegrass is going to be real, real slow to germinate, though. Now that we're in, you know, Thanksgiving temperatures right now, yeah. when it's in the 30s overnight, and so it'll take easily two weeks for the ryegrass seed to germinate there underneath the tree. Even if it's got sun coming through the bare branches, no leaves on them and stuff, but there's still not quite enough soil warmth to really kickstart the ryegrass and make it want to just jump up like it does if you plant it back in September. Yeah, we've had a lot of rain. The yeah. ground is just soaking wet. I, mean, it's just I like mean, why not cover it with mulch or something, Ralph? Why not get some wood chips or shredded chips from the from the uh, tree companies or something like that and put over the dirt that way you don't have to worry about plants you just cover the whole area with chips why not do that well it's 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 it's, it's the area is so steep it, it just washes uh-huh and uh 
I, I have fought this for years, and, and it's my grass. The the root grass that was planted there is finally gone. Yeah, and the, I mean, if you plant ryegrass seed, if we have any kind of heavy rain like we have in the past week, it's going to wash all your ryegrass seed down. Well, the I hill thought there, I, so. I might aerate the, the ground and put the seed down. Okay, good luck with that, man. No? Okay. <laughs> you see, I'm a little bit doubtful about it. Go ahead and do what you want to do. Put the ryegrass if you want to. Give two weeks easily before you call me back and say the ryegrass didn't germinate. Okay. But you say the mulch would be the best stuff to put up there right now. You though. know, I really think so. Unless it's just really, really steep, I think mulch makes a lot more sense than trying to grow grass. I mean, the ryegrass dies in May or maybe June of next year anyway, so it's not going to stay there permanently. Is there any Bermuda grass that's that's, that's, that's this the shade that that you plant in there. Yeah, it, the, the, a, it gets probably maybe thirty percent of sunlight during the daytime. No, uh, there's one called Tiff Grand. Tiff Grand has been on the market for about four or five years now, I guess, and it is a little more shade tolerant than other Bermuda grasses. Tiff Grand, and so if you had really high pine trees where the sunlight comes through the pine tr- pretty heavily during the day. Tiff Grain can take that and look real, real nice. But if it's a, a maple or oak or you know magnolia dogwood, any of the deciduous trees that have pretty heavy leaf cover on them during the summertime, it's a big tree. I mean, there's just no way that Tiff Grain is going to be happy there. It might grow a little bit, but it'll be thin, and you get weeds. And I don't think Tiff Grain would be the situation to solve the thing to solve your situation. Okay, Tiff Grain for. Otherwise, it's mulch. Otherwise, I think mulch makes a lot of sense. And honestly, after a year or so, the mulch, if it doesn't get washed away, is going to decompose and give you a pretty nice layer of good soil you could plant things in. You could try even planting now things that like to be in the shade, like hosta and you know, some ferns. Autumn ferns would grow nicely there. Uh, variegated Solomon seal. If you go to a pike and ask and say, what would grow in the shade that's a perennial plant that I don't have to mess with anymore, they can give you a whole list. You can buy some of those and put them in and and see if that works either now or wait for a year or two when the when the mulch decomposes. That's what I'd do. That sure is what I would do. Thanks for calling, Ralph. i got to get out of here. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. And that you always will. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. 44.5 degrees outside. This is a great day to be gardening if you have the time to do it this afternoon after lunch. Maybe it'll get a little warmer this afternoon to get done. If you have questions about what you need to do and what you can be doing on the Thanksgiving week here, 404-872-0750. Ed's down in Fayetteville, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ed. Good morning. Uh, good morning. How are y'all? I'm all right. Ashley's all right. Scott looks pretty good. We're all right. Thank you. Good, good. Listen, uh, quick questions. Uh, it seems like a banner year for leaves and little acorns in yeah. my yard. Yeah, sure. So uh, a couple of days ago, I got out there and diligently started raking. And my wife uh, decided to come out and tell me that I should leave the leaves uh, in the flower bed. Uh-huh. And just rake the uh, leaves off the glass. Yeah. Right. right or wrong. Well, let me flip over my shingle right here that says horticultural expert and turn it to marital counselor. Marital counseling is what I'm going to be doing for the next <laughs> couple of Good minutes. Night. There it is. 
I'm going to side with your wife. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. I do too. Oh, no, Lord. Uh, you're right in the first place. You're right. Or somebody one between the two of you is right to rake the leaves off the grass. Because if you have any kind of matting or lots of layers of leaves on top of grass, that is the worst thing for a lawn in the wintertime you can do. And so you don't want the grass to be you know, covered in leaves or anything. So raking that or mowing it even is fine with me. As far as the flower beds go, as long as the leaves don't get so thick that they're matting down on top of the flowers and things in the bed, I think it's Uh easier to leave them there. They'll decompose. They do a little bit towards amending the soil, get something for the worms to come and chew on. And so unless there's some heavy, heavy, heavy fall of leaves on the flower beds, I would sort of leave them alone. Sure would. Well, um, I guess uh, she deserves the name nickname that I've given her, and that's Miss Kia, K-I-A. Which is? Uh, stands for uh, Miss Know-It-All. <laughs> <laughs> but you could also story. give her a rake and say, honey, if you think it needs to come off the flower beds, then here's a rake. Let me show you how to work it. And <laughs> you could let her go out and do the raking if she feels like it. Yeah. But well, I think we'll for today, down. we're going to leave the leaves on there and let it let it decompose. I will uh, pass that information on and, and uh, take my... Uh, <laughs> that I told you so and just know it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks for calling, Ed. Yes, sir. Thank you. Sure. Bye-bye. We get out of here with Jim. Jim's up in Gainesville and joins us in London Garden. Hey, Jim. Good morning. Good morning there, Walter. It's good to hear your voice. What? I always love listening to you guys on, uh, you. on the way to work in the morning. What can I do uh, for you, Jim? Well, I had two things. One, you earlier caller, Ralph, uh, had this... Uh, Area there where his leaves, I mean, his grass was dying underneath the tree. Yeah. On an incline, you shredded the cypress mulch. It does not uh, does not wash like uh, a lot of the other mulch, and I've, I've tried everything. Seemed like that's that really been good for me. That brings up something that I don't make part of the conversation hardly any anymore. But one of the things that really concerns me is how cypress mulch is made. And if I don't see anything on a cypress mulch bag that says sustainably harvested or harvested from uh, areas that have been managed for cypress trees, I sometimes worry that there are some loggers who would go out into the cypress swamps in front of New Orleans and some of the other coastal cities and cut down trees that they have permission to, I'm sure, but really doesn't do a great thing for when a hurricane comes and all the cypress trees are down and don't uh, you know, lessen the wind that comes yeah. in. So. I know that cypress doesn't float very much. It doesn't float nearly as much as wood chips do, but most of the time I just avoid saying cypress anyway because I'm sure there's some that's harvested responsibly and some that isn't, and I'd just rather not get into a thing where I recommend cypress. But, you know, the other thing I was thinking about that guy that I talked to was he could put a layer, just one or maybe two layers of the, uh, uh, what do they call it, cast blocks you get from the big box hardware stores and make a layer of those or run or line of those around the low part of the eroded area, and that'd hold everything back just fine. Yeah, yeah, you'd be a bit like retainer wall. Yeah. So you've got a Japanese maple you want to propagate, Jim? Yes, I've got the limb shot out that, and it looks really odd. And I, instead of just cutting the thing off, I've looked at it for two years yeah. and wondered if I could just air lay it uh, down below it and cut uh, later on. And, and or is this a good time to try to do that or wait till spring and et cetera? Wait till spring. Air layering, for listeners who are wondering what air layering is, it involves wounding a limb on a 
plant you want to propagate, putting a little potting soil, not potting soil, but um, rooting hormone onto the wound, wrap that with real damp sphagnum moss, wrap that with plastic to keep it wet for two months or so, and wrap that with aluminum foil to keep it from getting so bright and light inside there and retarding root formation. And so air layering, honestly, Jim, probably needs to be done in the late spring, if not May or June. And it takes, uh, like I said, about six to eight weeks and it'll root in place in that air layering um, what do you call it, pod that you have wrapped around the around the maple leaf. And so, no, now's not the time to do it. Wait till it's warm. Good. Well, thank you very much. Great I'll talking to you, Jim. Thanks for calling. Radio. Bye-bye. 41 minutes past the hour. Al is in Winder, Georgia, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Al, good morning. Good morning. What's up? I heard you mention your lemon tree, and, and I was the guy with authority on lemon trees. I, my late wife has this lemon tree. Yeah. And it's got one one big old lemon on it, yeah. about the size of a small grapefruit. Ooh. Been on there for probably a year and a half, right. on two years. <laughs> right. And you <laughs> I, have uh, not succumbed to temptation to pick that lemon. You just want to see what'll happen with it. That's right. I don't want to pick it. Yeah. Uh, I put it out on the back porch in the summertime. I got it moved in the house now in front of a window, which we did last year. And it seemed like it does pretty good. Yeah. It's not a whole lot of light, but it does pretty good. Right. But uh, it bloomed. Yeah, sure. Last summer sure. had two little two little lemons on it. Yeah. Then then they fell off. Now, do I need to pick that lemon before they put any more on? Or I think they, that lemon is inhibiting is inhibiting bloom formation. Yeah, I do. I think if you want many more lemons on that lemon tree, the big one has to go. When they get much above orange size, you know, about two and a half to three inches maybe in diameter, anything above that it is sending hormones to the rest of the tree saying, don't bloom, I'm still here, and I'm going to get a little bit bigger like yours is done. And so it's better to take them off so that, that doesn't inhibit more flowering, and so I would take it off today if you if you care to. Uh, it had two of them on about the size of small acres, and all at once they just toppled off, you know. Yeah. Okay, hey. one other quick question. Sure. It's got a lot of new growth on it. It's getting pretty big to put in the house. Yeah. It's a good, when's a good time to prune that back? Uh, before you bring it in the house. That's a pretty simple answer. So, <laughs> so it, don't hurt, it don't hurt it to... Well, temperatures are down near freezing, Al. I mean, you got to bring it in pretty quickly. It's in, it's in the house right now. Oh, okay. This week, last weekend. Well, if it's in the house and it's sort of too big, really, for where you have it in front of the right, window there, right. go ahead and prune it now. There's no real reason not to do that. I hope that you'll leave some le some limbs alone because they're the ones that are most likely to make flowers. When you prune a limb, that does some more horm hormonal stuff that makes it not as likely to bloom on those limbs as it is on limbs that are untouched. So try to leave some of the limbs untouched, unpruned, uncut, and uh, you'll get flowers on that probably well, by late December, early January maybe. It's a good smelling tree, I'll say that. Oh, yeah, isn't it great? Yeah, man, they felt, smell real good. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, you said that because I can't find nobody that knows anything about a lemon tree. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got a little bit of knowledge about Meyer lemons, but I'm not the expert either. Al, but between the two of us, somehow we'll get a, come to a conclusion. All right, thank you much. Thanks for calling, Al. Bye bye. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty gets you in to take Al's place. Ashley Frasca. One of the things that Ashley and I do when I come in, actually comes in on a Saturday morning, is she shows me pictures of her plants, her mama's plants, her neighbor's plants, her yard plants, and we talk about them and how pretty they are. And this morning, Ashley has two gorgeous pictures of Thanksgiving cactus. Why would we call it Thanksgiving cactus? 
they bloom right before Thanksgiving, which yeah. I thought was the same as a Christmas cactus, and it was just confused and bloomed <laughs> early. But no. you said that it is two different, kind of genetically different plants. That's exactly right. One is genetically determined to bloom around the late part of November. And what triggers it? I have no idea. Probably day length or something like that. And the other one, genetically programmed to bloom around Christmas. And we call them both sometimes, and incorrect, call them both Christmas cactus. But indeed, there are Thanksgiving cacti and Christmas cacti and Easter cacti, too. So all these holiday cactuses, and uh, we can celebrate their blooming there, too. So are you going to try to propagate yours? I think it's more meaningful to take a cutting from yeah. someone else's, especially if you see that plant is pretty successful at blooming. So I'll give Barbara a shout out because she has done very well with the five that she has. So I always ask you, you know, if I want to do it myself, how yeah. do I do it? And like you said, take the cutting and root it in sand, right? I mean, I, I can't screw that up. It would be hard. You did get a, a you know, relatively large size clay saucer, maybe fill it with sand, dampen it just a little bit so it's nice and damp throughout, um, and take those leaves. I don't call them cuttings; I call them leaves or clades. I think is the technical name for them. But you uh, just break them off. Break off three or four or five off a of barber's plant, off your mama's plant, anyone that you have around, or somebody else that says they have a pretty Thanksgiving or Christmas cactus, and then stick them about halfway into that. Uh, uh, damp sand, cover that with some plastic to keep it nice and humid underneath there, and eh, four, five, maybe six weeks, and you tug on them just a little bit, and the sand will come up with the bottom of the clay, the bottom of the leaf, and you'll say, man, this is rooted, and then you can move them out to individual pots, and you got got a plant. But you take, like you said, a, a segment that's a few inches long, you don't do the individual little leaflets no, the individual stuck in the sand, leaflets. right? Each individual leaflet, yeah. Yeah, and don't take all three or four or five in a row. Break it apart so you have three or four or five maybe single individual leaves because they root a lot better uh, when you don't have so many of the leaves out, out of the soil. So just one leaf at a time stuck halfway into the damp sand. I'm going to do it. And next I'm Thanksgiving we'll be able to see their success and you'll have some pretty Thanksgiving cactus too. I'm going right. to share that on my on my Twitter account for anybody that wants to see these Thanksgiving <laughs> cactuses at Ashley Frasca WSB because they're beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it'll make you want to, to root one. To have one. Exactly. That's exactly right. Thanks, Ashley. Let's go to the phones. We've got, let's see, Jeff is up in Roswell and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Jeff, hey, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. What can I do for you, Jeff? Hey, so I, I think uh, me and Al's conversation is similar. Um, I got a tangerine tree. I've had it for about three or two and a half years. Wow. Uh, when I got it, it was full of tangerines. Um, went through the summertime. It didn't didn't pick much of them. Brought it inside. Harvested the tangerines. It didn't bloom. Uh-huh. Um, in the spring, like I've had one in the past that bloomed inside. Put this one outside this year, and it, it's just grown. It didn't bloom at all. So okay. I'm uh, a nice tree, and I'm debating whether to uh, get rid of it. <laughs> so what? What's the real? What's the real question then, Jeff? Well, I'm I'm concerned that it hasn't it hasn't bloomed in like a year and a half. Mm, if it's not, it was it was outside, right? You had it outside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I put it outside in the spring. The normal bloom time for a lot of citrus seems to be in what we would call winter here in Atlanta, but we're down in Miami and where they have the big orange groves in South Florida, then they um, bloom at a time when it's relatively warm, unlike Atlanta. Right. Um, so. You know, I'm a real soft heart for any plant that struggles to grow outdoors yeah, and you have to bring tree, inside. It doesn't have any, no blooms. Yeah. You know what I would do? This is what I would do. You have perfect uh, permission to do whatever you want to do, Jeff. I don't care. But what I would do, honestly, is I would keep it in the house at least until February. If it hasn't bloomed by February, then out it goes. 
but I'm hopeful that there's just a little bit of energy in the tips of the branches to make flowers, and if they're flowers, then that's exactly what you want. And I'd wait till the flowering season, December, January, early February, and just see if it does. And if it doesn't, all bets are off. You do what you want to. <laughs> all right, very good. I'll give you a shot if I got flowers. <laughs> all right. Good talking to you, Jeff. Thanks for calling. Thank you. All right, 6.48 on a Saturday morning. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, it's going to be cold tonight. Bring in those cold-sensitive plants you had on the patio or the deck. Don't let them freeze. You don't want to do that. Expect clouds to build throughout the day. Just a really slim chance of rain. Afternoon highs in the mid-50s. Tonight, temperatures plunge into the low to mid-30s with clouds clearing out of Atlanta by morning. Full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And the weekend prize pack comes up right now. Ashley Frasca is thinking of a number between 2 and 7 to determine who wins a pair of tickets to see Michael Feinstein in concert December 3rd, 2015 at Atlanta Symphony Hall, produced by ASO Presents, plus a family four-pack of tickets to see the upcoming Atlanta Gladiators game at the Infinite Energy Arena. Ashley Haraska, which caller gets this prize? I feel like I pick number four every Saturday, okay. so we'll do number six. <laughs> the sixth caller to our contest line, 404-741-0750. Dial carefully, 404-741-0750. Do not wake anyone up with your misdialed call. Let's take a real quick run here. Gene and Duluth, if you can do it in 32 seconds, Gene, we got it done. Talk to hey, me. Walter, look forward to seeing you Saturday at uh, Johns Creek. That's Pike, right. We'll be at the Pike Nursery. That's right, yeah, Saturday. Yeah. I enjoy doing. doing that. Uh, got uh, four ferns, those hanging ferns, yeah. you know, and uh, is there any way to save those without having trash all over the house? Yeah, honey bunny, <laughs> you're going to have to bring those in. They are not going to be happy. I know. They won't make it. Yeah. Uh, but can you just cut the tops off and stick them in? in the house without the tops and uh, there's got to be some greenery it's got to be i don't know what'll happen if you cut them back by half gene but there's got to be greenery on them you can't cut them all the way down to the to the soil level or anything like that some people uh, actually will start propagating next year's ferns in the fall and early winter like we are right now by taking those fern baskets and cutting them into thirds or quarters with a saw and uh, put each one of those third or quarters into another filled soil filled uh, hanging basket and put that in the basement in front of a window or in the you know family room where there's some light and mm -hmm. a lot of times they will root in the basket and be ready to be put outside in April of next year some people have room for that some people don't uh, but bottom line if you bring them inside they drop a lot of leaves oh, all by yeah. themselves it's pretty attractive yeah, yeah they do all right, man, thanks. Gene, thanks for that. calling. Don't forget, they're real cheap at Pike in the springtime. You can get your own, own ferns and uh, take them, put them in the house then, and not worry about the leaves dropping off all over everything inside the house. 404-872-0750 is my number. We'll be back after news.